Well, good morning, Hollywell Evangelical Church. It's good to be with you today. If we've not met before, my name's John, and I'm one of the pastors at Beeston Free Church in Nottingham. It's my privilege to join with you to share God's word. Um, I'd love to be with you in person, um, but glad all the same to share online. Um, and I send greetings from all at Beeston Free um, to you in Loughborough. Well, the passage I've chosen to speak on this morning comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And um, it's a letter written by Paul to a church that he knew really well. He planted the church, he loved them. Um, but as a church, they'd grown suspicious of Paul and his ministry. Um, they, they'd been infected by false teachers. And, and the bit that we're reading this morning comes from a part where Paul is defending his ministry to this church. Um, although it looks weak, he wants the Corinthians to stick with him and his gospel. Um, despite what anyone else is telling them. And so that's what we'll be looking at this morning. But before we do, let me pray. Our Father, we thank you so much for the chance to come and to hear your word this morning. Um, Lord, we pray that you would speak to us. Thank you that you are a God who, who wants to be known and who is revealing yourself through the pages of the Bible. And we pray, Lord, for open ears and open hearts and for the help of your spirit. Um, to powerfully work in us, to give us understanding. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Men wanted for hazardous journey, low wages, bitter cold, long hours of complete darkness, safe return doubtful, honour and recognition in event of success. That was the advert Ernest Shackleton placed in the Times ahead of his endurance at Arctic expedition. Or so the story goes. I read recently that there's actually no evidence that that ad was ever placed. But whether it existed or not, what's certain is that that accurately sums up what a polar expedition would have been like a hundred years ago. And it's exactly how it turned out to be in the end. Anyone setting out to cross the Antarctic with Shackleton needed to have the right expectations. It wouldn't be easy. It would be a long, hard and dangerous journey. There'd be the real possibility of not coming back again. But they need to know it would be worth it as well. That in the event of success, there'd be honour and recognition for those who took part. And our passage today describes Christian service. And in many ways, as Paul does that, his words read a bit like this advert. Paul's very honest about what we're to expect if we embark on serving Jesus. He describes it vividly in our passage. It it will be hard. It will be costly. And often the very best way to describe it is like dying. But at the same time, Paul wants us to see that despite the cost, it will be worth it. Because of what it achieves, there is no better way to use our lives than to enlist them in the service of Jesus. Now I wonder how you're feeling about serving Jesus this morning. I wonder whether it's living up to the expectations that you have. Perhaps you're finding it easy, but more likely I imagine you're finding it hard. Perhaps you're brimming with enthusiasm. But I wouldn't be surprised if in truth you feel a little weary. 
Maybe you've you've never wondered if it's worth it. But in truth, I'd be amazed if that's the case. Well, today, however you're feeling, our passage refreshes our expectations of what it should be like to serve Jesus. It reminds us that it's right when we find it difficult. Because Christian service, we're not to expect it to be easy. But it also reminds us that we're wrong to lose heart when it's hard. Because we are to expect Christian service to be worth it. So let's get started. I've got two points for us this morning. And the first is this. Don't expect Christian service to be easy. In verse 7 to 12, Paul uses two vivid images that shatter any illusion that serving Christ should be pain-free. First, in verse 7, Paul explains that serving Christ is like carrying treasure in jars of clay. Let's read that again. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Now, in Paul's day, jars of clay were commonplace. They were used by people for all kinds of things. They weren't high quality or nice to look at, but that wasn't the point. Their job was just to get things from A to B. They weren't strong or long-lasting, but that didn't matter either because they were cheap and easy to replace. I guess today's equivalent would be the one-use coffee cup or a disposable takeaway container. And what Paul is saying is that is what I'm like, verse 7, as I carry the treasure of the gospel around. Although my job is to carry the most precious thing in the universe, my job isn't to be impressive. It's just to get the gospel from A to B. And although I possess the most powerful message ever spoken that Paul has shown in verse 1 to 6, in myself I am the exact opposite. I'm not powerful. I'm fragile, I'm weak, I am very dispensable. And in verse 8 and 9, Paul illustrates this. He describes how it feels to serve Christ. Verse 8, he feels hard-pressed on every side. Now this is an image from winemaking. It describes the way the grapes were squashed into a pulp. They were hard-pressed. And Paul says as a clay pot... I feel pressure from every side. I'm pushed to breaking point regularly. I'm unsure if I can bear it. Added to that, Paul says he's perplexed as he goes about his ministry. He is frequently at a loss as to what is going on. He can't see what God's up to. He can't make sense of what's happening. He is often confused. And then in verse 9 as well, he's persecuted. Now you just need to read the book of Acts to see how true that was. Everywhere Paul went, he suffered. He was mocked and insulted. He was rejected and put in prison. All for sharing the treasure of the gospel. And finally, he says he was struck down. Here the image is of being, being attacked and wounded in combat. And Paul certainly had his gospel wounds. He writes later in this letter to the Corinthians and says, Five times I received from the Jews the forty lashes minus one. Three times 
I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. That's some CV, isn't it? This is what it felt like to serve Christ. And perhaps today, some of those things ring true with you as well. Right now, you feel pushed to breaking point as you look after your family, as you care for your parents, as you try to do your job rightly. As another week looms ahead, you don't know how you're going to get through it without giving way. Or perhaps you share Paul's confusion. That as you try to change, you can't. As you try to help others, you fail. As you try to pray, it just feels useless. When faced with sin and suffering and and so much mess in this world, you, you just can't understand what God is doing. Or maybe you feel struck down with Paul. When those you love the most mock you or undermine you, or even turn their backs on you because you follow Jesus. And as you feel the cost, you're tempted to ask, is it worth it? Is it worth this much pain? Well, when we experience these things, it's so tempting to think that something's gone wrong as we follow Christ. We should feel more stronger or more capable, or more happier, not like a clay pot. Well, Paul wants us to see that that's not the case at all. Weakness is no mistake. It's God's intention as we serve Christ. Verse 7, Paul says that as he carries the treasure of the gospel, it's meant to be this way. Verse 7 is to show that the all-surpassing power is from God. And not from him. And in verse 8 and 9, the other half of each of those sentences, Paul shows how this plays out in his weakness. That despite being hard pressed on every side, in God's power, verse 8, he is not crushed. He's given strength from God and is made to withstand it. Despite being perplexed, verse 8 again, he is not in despair. Although he might not know God's plan, he knows God is in control. And even despite his persecutions, verse 9, he has never been abandoned. In all of them, God has been with him in power, keeping him. And even when he's been struck down for Christ, verse 9, he has not been destroyed. In God's strength, he has got up and gone back into battle for him. You see, God's glory is to take clay pots like Paul and use them to show in their weakness that the all-surpassing power is his. And you know, that's exactly the same for us today, 2,000 years later. It is still just as much God's glory to use our pressure, our confusion, our suffering and our persecution to showcase his power as he sustains us in it all and works out his purposes through our weakness. And so if you feel like a clay pot parent or a clay pot carer or or just a clay pot Christian on the verge of caving in, well, don't lose heart. 
Yes, in your weakness, you can't do it. But in his surpassing power, he can. And he promises that if you look to him, he won't let you get crushed. He'll use your pressure for his glory to display his power. And if you feel perplexed as you serve Christ, that you're at loss to how God's at work now in your life, well, don't give up. Despite the fact that you can't see what God is doing, it doesn't mean he isn't at work. God isn't confused one bit about your life or this world. And so trust him that as you serve him, he is using you to bring treasure to others, even if you can't see how. And if you've been abandoned by others for the sake of Christ or struck down by their words or their arguments, don't give up tonight. Despite how others treat you, you have a friend who will never abandon you. In Christ, you can get up and go back into battle and in his power keep loving and serving and speaking of him even to those who are opposing you. Friends, as we serve Christ and feel pushed to our limits, we're not to think that something's wrong. Rather, we're to realise that this is how it should be. This is authentic Christian service. It's God's glory to take our weakness and suffering and confuse them, fusion, and to use them as his stage on which he displays his all-surpassing power by sustaining us and carrying us through and using us to bring the treasure of the gospel to others. And so if you feel like a clay pot this morning, don't be discouraged. This is what Christian service is meant to be like. But in verse 10 to 12, Paul paints another vivid image of ministry. And this one is not a pleasant picture at all. Verse 10, he says, as he serves Christ, he always carries around in his body the death of Jesus. In verse 11, he says it again, that as one brought alive in Christ, he is constantly being given over to death for Christ. And in verse 12, he sums it up that an intrinsic part of his ministry is the ongoing experience of having death at work in him. For Paul, it's this image that best captures his experience of serving Christ. It looks like dying. It feels like death. And despite feeling this, Paul is confident that this is exactly how it should feel. Look up at verse 11 again. Paul describes himself as being given over to death for Jesus' sake. You see, his suffering is not an accident. It's not the result of his bad choices. It's the way God has set it up. I've been reading through Isaiah with one of the students in our church. And recently we came to a very strange part. In chapter 20, God tells Isaiah to walk barefoot and naked for three years as a sign of the judgment that is coming. And as we got to that part, it seems so random and so graphic. But that was how God wanted Isaiah to embody the message he was preaching 
God wanted Isaiah to show and to act out what God was going to do, to vividly display it to the people. And in the same way, that's what God wants Paul to do here. He wants him to embody the gospel he preaches and vividly live it out. As he says Christ, he's to look like Christ. He's to act out in his body the very heart of the gospel message. He's not just to speak of the cross. He is to live the cross and portray it in his suffering. But that's only half of what's going on here because there's more than just death at work in Paul's service. And again, Paul underlines this twice in verse 10 and 11. The reason he carries around death in his body, the reason he's being constantly given over to it, is so that the life of Jesus might also be revealed in his body. You see, just as Christ gave up his life in order to give life to others, this too is to be the way for Paul. For the gospel to reach new people, he must sacrifice his freedoms. For spiritual life to come to others, he must lay down his life willingly. This is what authentic Christian service looks like. It's patterned on Christ. It's shaped by the cross. Verse 12. Death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. And that was true with Paul, with the Corinthians, but it's true just as much for us as a church today. God still wants his gospel delivered by people shaped by that gospel who are willing to embrace the cross and die to themselves in order to give spiritual life to others. Now one writer puts it like this, that in any church that is growing and flourishing, there are people who are sacrificing and dying. I could expand on that. In any friendship, or marriage or family where people are spiritually growing, there will be people who are dying to themselves and laying down their freedoms for others. In any ministry or youth group or home group where the gospel is flourishing, somewhere there is someone who's dying as they pour themselves out to fill others up. It's true in church planting or on the mission field or in any evangelistic endeavour. There will always be a cost. Authentic Christian service is about sacrificing our life in order to give life to others, just like Christ. And so can I ask you, where do you need to embrace the cross as you serve Christ? How can you lay down your life to enable spiritual life to come to others. It might mean going to your small group this week, even though you're tired, and you'd rather watch TV than put up with another call on Zoom. It might be giving up an evening to meet with someone who's struggling, even though you know that will cost a certain amount of emotional energy. It might be letting someone into your life Not just when it's convenient, but when it disrupts your plans. You see, if we really want to build each other up as a church family, 
this is what it will take. We must be willing to die to give life to others. And if we truly want to see the gospel spread, this is what it costs. This is what it takes to reach the lost. It will mean giving up free time and flexibility to enable us to build our lives around the people who need to hear the gospel. It might mean being brutal with our finances, limiting our freedom so that we can give to support others. It might mean sacrificing how church feels and the friendships we enjoy so that we can welcome others in. You see, if we're committed to seeing the gospel spread, death must be at work in us so that life can be at work in others. This is the shape of Christian service. We're not to expect it to be easy. But few truly excellent things are, as one writer has put it. But just as Christ's death brought spiritual life to us, we can have great confidence that as we follow in his footsteps, he will use us to channel that life to others. So we're not to expect Christian service to be easy. But second this morning, we are to expect Christian service to be worth it. And in these final verses, Paul lets us in on where his confidence comes from as he serves Christ. That despite all the hardship, there are two realities that drive his ministry, that sustain it, despite the suffering he experiences. And the first is in verse 13. Paul is confident in the resurrection. In verse 13, I think it was read earlier in the service, Paul quotes from Psalm 116 in the Old Testament. Let's read that verse again. It is written, I believed, therefore I have spoken. Now if you read the whole of Psalm 116, you can see that it's written by someone who has just experienced deliverance from the edge of the grave. Someone who was so greatly afflicted that they really thought it was the end. And they described the cords of death entangling them and dragging them down. Yet, in the midst of suffering, they cried out for help and God heard their voice and delivered them. They can see why Paul connects with this psalm. But the part he quotes is really interesting. You might expect him to quote the psalmist's word of praise as he celebrates rescue on the other side of the grave. But instead he quotes the psalmist's words of faith as he speaks in the midst of suffering. When despite his affliction, before God intervened, this psalmist believed God would deliver him. And he spoke confidently about that deliverance, even before it came about. And Paul says, verse 13, it is this spirit of faith, it is, is this quality of belief in God that I share in my suffering too. Paul says it's because I believe in God's power to deliver me, because I trust so firmly that he will do it, that I speak confidently about it now, before it even happens. 
And in verse 14, Paul explains what that confidence is. Because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you, with you to himself. See, Paul's hope in suffering is in his future resurrection. He is absolutely certain that no matter what happens to him, verse 14, the one who raised Jesus will also raise him. He has utter certainty that the moment is coming when face to face, he and the Corinthians will be presented to Jesus Christ. And Paul's confidence in this puts everything else in perspective. Now he can endure being hard pressed and perplexed and persecuted and struck down for Jesus. Because soon he will be with Jesus. God will raise him out of all those things forever. Now he can embrace Christ's cross and be given over to even death for his sake. And he knows that there is no cost or sacrifice that being presented to Jesus in glory will not repay. He is certain that there is no pain or suffering, not even death, that the resurrection cannot heal. And so although he doesn't feel it now, although now he can't see it, Paul believes with all his heart in God's promise. And therefore he speaks. He speaks of it to encourage himself and to encourage the Corinthians that it is worth it to serve Christ because of the resurrection. And if we're not to lose heart like Paul, as we serve Christ, we need this spirit of faith, this same quality of belief in God's promise that speaks so confidently of the resurrection, that even in the midst of great suffering, declares it as if it's a past reality. You see, the resurrection is the only thing that can make sense of true Christian service. It's only if we will rise again to a better life that it's worth giving up our life here now in order to serve Christ. It's only if one day we will be utterly filled that we can pour ourselves out for others now. It's only if our future with Jesus is so secure and untouchable that we can risk everything now as we serve him. In 1 Corinthians, Paul writes that if the resurrection isn't real, if it's only for this life, that we have hope in Christ, then we're to be pitied above all people for wasting our lives with Jesus. I find that so challenging because it assumes that my life should need the resurrection to interpret it properly. That my choices, my priorities, how I use my money, my time, my energy, my future, that that those things should only make sense if there's another, better life to come. And this is so challenging, because if we're honest, there are so many ways that our lives just look sensible, 
to the world around us. That the way we live is better interpreted by the, the idols of our world rather than the hope of the resurrection. And friends, I speak to myself as much as anyone. This should not be. You see, the hope we have frees us to live so differently, to serve Christ so sacrificially in this life. We don't need a house like a showroom. We don't need a car that matches our income. We don't need the most exotic holiday we could afford. We don't need to protect all our evenings and weekends and serve in just the ways that reward us. We can give these things up for the gospel and for Jesus because we're living for so much more. And because one day Jesus will raise us to a far better life than this, we don't need to shy away from risk or cost. We can move out of a safe neighbourhood with an outstanding school and move into an area where nobody knows the gospel. We can give up a secure career, even the comfort of the UK, to go on the mission fields. Because whatever we lose, whatever we give up, whatever we suffer, Jesus can more than repay. Jesus will more than repay because he is worth more than it all. You see, the hope of the resurrection frees us to serve Christ in a way that is radical. It enables us to hold this life so loosely because we know what's ahead. We know what's coming. And we're confident that the one who raised Christ will raise us also. In view of being presented to Jesus, whatever it costs, Christian service is worth it. But having spoken of his resurrection hope, Paul shows us another great reality that sustains him as he serves Jesus. In verse 15, Paul sums up the ultimate goal in his ministry, what all his speaking and suffering is for. And there are several layers to this. First, Paul's ministry is for the sake of the Corinthians. Verse 14, he tells them that this is all for your benefit. He wants the Corinthians to see that all his visits and letters and prayers and tears, his faithful ministry to them, it's all for their benefit. He wants them to be ready for Jesus, perfectly prepared to be presented to him. But as Paul seeks to benefit this church, his desire stretches far wider than Corinth. Look at verse 14 again. See, his prayer is that through them, God's grace might reach more and more people. If you follow the story of Paul's journeys in Acts, if you read any of his letters in the New Testament, you see that that was his constant ambition. He was willing to suffer anything and go anywhere if it meant the gospel could spread further. But over even this, there is an even grander goal that Paul has. And that's where he ends up finally in this verse. You see, the reason Paul pours himself out for the Corinthians, the reason he risks everything to share God's grace with more people, is that more than anything else, Paul's overarching passion 
verse 15 is for thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. This is Paul's goal. Nothing less than to use his life to bring maximum glory to God. That's why he's willing to sacrifice so much. Because his ambition is not to be comfortable, but to lift up God's name at all costs. That's why he'll suffer appallingly, even die for Jesus, if that's what it comes to in the end. Because to Paul, God and his glory are worth far more even than life itself. Paul is convinced that if God is glorified, as he says Christ, then no matter what it costs, it is surely worth it. And this morning, Paul wants us to see too that this is the only way worth living our lives in this world. That although serving Christ will cost us our benefits, if we're truly to benefit others, we cannot put a price on the value of getting others ready to meet Jesus. That although serving Christ will mean limiting our freedoms, if we're to enable grace to extend freely, that is a sacrifice so well made, if it means the gospel can touch just one more life. And although serving Christ in Britain today may well tarnish our name, if we're to lift up his name in this world, well, so be it. Our glory can fade if it means his glory shines brighter. You see, friends, as we serve Christ, just like Shackleton's expedition, we're not promised an easy journey through life. The path will be long and hard and dangerous. That's the road. And safe return truly is doubtful, at least in this life. But we're promised it will be worth it because of the honour and the recognition it will achieve. Not for us, but for him. As thanksgiving overflows to the glory of God. And on that final day, when you stand before Jesus and see him revealed in full glory, you will know it was worth it. You'll not regret one sacrifice you made for your brothers and sisters when you see them raised and presented spotless before him. You won't resent one thing you laid down or one penny you gave to help the gospel advance when you see people from every tribe and nation worshipping before his throne. You won't look back with longing for anything you laid down or left behind in this world for his sake. Because when face to face with him in full glory, you will know that your life was well spent for him. As Christ calls us to service like this, it's not as a distant captain who barks out orders and stands back himself. No, Christ speaks as one who has been there himself, who's gone ahead of us into suffering and costs. One who at the cross was so hard pressed for our sin that he truly was crushed 
and destroyed. One who, as he died, felt deeper despair than we can ever know. Who was abandoned by God his Father. This is what it cost Jesus to serve us. He went to the very depths of hell in order to give us life. And as a saviour who knows intimately the struggle of Christian service, he's the one we can look to for help this morning. He promises us to keep us and to lead us until the day he finally welcomes us home and says, well done, good and faithful servant. Come and share your master's happiness. So brothers and sisters, since we have such a master, don't lose heart. Don't give up. Keep following Jesus. Let me pray. Our Father, we thank you for your word to us this morning. We thank you for the challenge of serving Christ and for being called into this life. Help us, Lord, as we feel hard-pressed, as we struggle to understand, as we suffer and experience what it is to die for Christ's sake. Help us to keep on pouring ourselves out for him and for others. And Lord, help us not to do that because we think we earn something from you, but because of all we've been given by you and because of the hope you promise us. Help us to die because we know um, as your people we will live. Help us to give up because we know one day we will be with you. And help us to desire your glory above all things and to seek for your name to be made known. Lord, help us in this because we feel weak. Display your strength, because we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.